Welcome to the Self-Improvement Book Club with Rachel. Today's book is Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. This book was something I read a long time ago, but I was inspired to re-talk about it because I just had a podcast with a author who wrote an excellent book called A Meaning-Based Approach to Art Therapy that you can check out in the previous podcast. So this book poses the question, what's in it for me? And during this book, we follow one man's terrible experience that helped him formulate a unique view on human nature. Viktor Frankl was in the Holocaust and he was a survivor and he went through what people can't even imagine and still found meaning in life. So ask yourself, what's in it for me or what do I make as meaning in my life? I know personally, nothing brings me more joy than helping people reach their full potential. For some reason, I have a knack for seeing what people are capable of, and I love to help them get there, which is why I'm a therapist. But of course, we can't control what other people do. Just because you see someone's potential doesn't mean they will go for it. But that is my superpower. I see your strengths, I see your potential, and I want you to get there. And nothing brings me more joy than watching someone use their potential, be their best self. So I know I find a lot of meaning in that personally, but maybe you can ask yourself, when do you feel deeply moved by things or where do you find meaning in your life? So this book talks about Viktor Frankl's experience in the camp. It helps explain how prisoners of the Nazi regime struggled through that. It's it's unimaginable what they went through. And out of this Victor Frankl created Logotherapy, which explains in order to thrive in one or more dire circumstances, we need to discover our personal meaning for life. So how do we find meaning for life? And how can some people find humor in even the worst situations? So the book describes people's reaction when they were first in concentration camps, which was shock. And first in the form of hope and then despair. I'm sure most people have read up about the horrid things that happened in these camps. And one would think the first reaction to going into one of these camps would be fear. But however, the findings were their reactions were split into three distinct phases. The first phase was that they were desperately trying to convince themselves that everything would be all right. So this is a little hope going on. And most prisoners had already heard horrific stories about what was going to happen at the camp, yet they had hoped that things would be different for them. In fact, they were split into two different camps and some were sent for immediate execution, which is so hard to hear. And the other group would be sent for hard labor, which doesn't sound good either. 
Because unfortunately, a lot of these people were close to being starved to death, if not starved to death, with the hard labor. But of course, they didn't know what each group meant or which direction, if they went left or right, which group they would be in or what would be in store for them. Another phase was the shock of arriving at the camp. So when they first arrived at the camp, they often saw a lot of horrible brutality. And this was shocking. And they soon lost that hope they had in the beginning and began to see death as some kind of relief, unfortunately. Then after a few more days of camp, prisoners fell into a state of apathy, which allowed them to concentrate on their survival. So again, following the initial shock, the prisoners became used to the horror and death that surrounded them, thus became emotionally dull. This emotional shutdown led them to focus on their survival, which is what they needed the most. When our basic needs are deprived from us, they found that prisoners most dreamed about food or other kind of vital life-sustaining satisfactions that are normally taken for granted. If you think about how humans usually are, we we live for the future, right? We make big plans. We start to think about what we want to do in the future and get excited about it. We may make vacation plans or other big plans, but these prisoners were unable to imagine that life still had any meaning because they couldn't see that future. They couldn't see those exciting plans or what was coming next. It was all about survival. In fact, most thought their lives were already over and they were merely existing. So what happened if they got out of the camp? So life after was often characterized by feelings of disbelief and bitterness. And it was hard for them to grasp after they were released that they had freedom again. They were accustomed to that state of emotional apathy and they couldn't right away change their perspective. They had a big change going from in the camp to outside of the camp and this change took some time to process. It's that surreal feeling when you think about something so much and then you finally get it and you can't believe it's actually happening. And in fact, going home after being in the camp wasn't always a welcoming thing. They may have come back to, unfortunately, their families had been killed or their town had been turned into rubble and things just weren't as they were. But the bitterness wasn't just about the loss of the family and friends. They hoped for compassion and for people to understand what suffering they endured, which most of us find hard to even imagine. And prisoners concentrated on their inner lives to distract them from what was happening in the real world. So a lot of them went inward which could look like imagining their loved ones or thinking about the past or doing some kind of mental escape, finding pleasant memories, happiness in those memories. And there were moments when prisoners even found their sense of humor and there was generosity still in the camps. For example, some prisoners would give bread to those in greater need, even though they were hungry as well. 
So the author of A Man's Search for Meaning found that being in the concentration camps, that motivation was stemmed from our meaning of life. Because of all the terrible scenes that the author saw in these camps, he realized again and again that people need meaning in their lives in order to have something to look forward to. And some findings which are not surprising from this research is that prisoners who could maintain this meaning were stronger and more resilient than those who have lost it. So what does this mean for your own life? You can look at where you find meaning and what your values are. Are you living in your values currently? And do you even know what they are? If you don't know what your values are, my own personal recommendation is to download some value sorting sheet and start to place Sophie's Choice with values to come up with your top 10. And that could first look like writing all the values down on the sheet that look like they align with you. And then picking the top 10 comes down to, well, if I had to choose between this value and that value, which one would be more important to me? And that way you get a list of what's truly important to you and seeing if you are living within those values. The author of the book also said there's no general meaning to life. Every individual life has its own specific meaning. So knowing how important it is to find our purpose in life, how do we go about finding it? Well, logotherapy suggests that it's how we act and it's the responsibility we feel towards our choices that determines our meaning. For example, the prisoners in the concentration camp who were able to maintain a purpose in life did so based on choices they made. They decided to look for beauty in nature or help others in greater need. And that gave them purpose, a realization that they were not beaten and they could keep going and helping others if they choose to do so. And again, the author points out that our meaning of life does not have to be the same from person to person. Therefore, again, we decide our purpose in life by the decisions we make. And the meaning of life has absolutely no restrictions. You might discover that a new hobby offers you personal meaning that you never knew could feel so good, like being a part of something and contributing to the world or a group. Logotherapy also says you can manage your fears by actively pursuing them. So although the ultimate goal of logotherapy is to help people find meaning, that isn't its only application. It also developed a number of techniques that are helpful for people who have suffered different things like mental disorders or trauma. And this has helped because logotherapy has focused on internal rather than external factors that are affecting people. So the theory assumes that if we fear something, it will happen. 
And it often does when we're really fearful of something happening. Just think of your own experience. What recently have you been so worried about that has happened? Has it come true? But yet when we try to force something to happen, it never actually does, right? Like watching the pot that needs to boil. You're like, it's never boiling. Ah! But of course it does eventually boil. (laughs) But the point of... The theory about fear is actively pursuing them. So let's say you are fearful of social situations because you may blush or do something really awkward. So you're always like, I'm so worried about blushing. Oh my goodness. Um, Logotherapy says, turn that ship around and try to blush in social situations. And once you try to do it, You can't make it happen. So it's almost taking those fears and turning them around and working with them in opposition of what you would normally do. So go forth and find your meaning in life and make sure your decisions and your choices are in line with that. And therefore, you will find your own personal meaning in the circumstances, no matter what they are. I hope you have a great week and happy reading. Come listen to us next week at the Self-Improvement Book Club with Rachel.